Three, two, one. Back here on this Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670. The score producer is Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole coming your way each and every Saturday morning between the hours of 8 and 9. And time now for our Ask the Doctor segment here on the show when we give our listeners the opportunity to have Dr. Cole address their specific sports injury related issues. And it's very easy. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on our homepage, look on the right side underneath our picture, and you can click on the link, Ask the Doctor, and you can submit your questions. Dr. Cole, first question for this week's edition. And this is an interesting one right here. Is all right? Yep. Can we take the edit? Yeah, go for it. Right, right now? What? No, no, wait for it. After we're done with this question, she'll be next. Next one, we have Allison on the line. Okay, give me, I, give me. I'm, I'm going to wait until you're done. Right, yes. Give me name and city. Yeah, from Chicago, Allison from Chicago. Yeah, your question is, does lifting, can working out cause a hernia? Okay. And Dr. Cole, our first question, can weightlifting cause a hernia? Steve, great question. You know, I get asked in general, can working out cause a hernia? And let's just lay it out there. A hernia is, you know, there's a weakening. Like, think about a tire where you get that, like, think about your bike tire. You ever had your bike tire get a blowout where before it blows out, there's a bulge in it, you know? Sure. That's where the weakness is. So a hernia is a weakness in the abdominal wall. All kinds of different hernias, but it can happen down in the inguinal region towards the groin. It can happen in the abdomen. It can relate to, be related to previous surgery. But the reality is probably one of the more common causes. There's just a general weakness there. So when there's increased abdominal pressure, such as doing squats, deadlifts, things like that, there's an increased chance of developing a hernia. So there's also this you know, congenital component, say present since birth. They tend to increase in age. They're much more common in men than women. Uh, but simply stated, hernias can occur uh, with uh, increased abdominal pressure or distension. So if you think that's an issue, you've got that, you're having problems with nausea, vomiting, uh, bowel obstruction where you'd have awful abdominal pain, uh, maybe diarrhea, things like that, that's a time you got to actually call a physician So, because uh, there can be what we call incarceration of the bowel where, the, where the, 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 literally the GI tract or part of the intestine can get caught in the hernia. It's extremely rare, but the take-home is, yes, working out with heavy weights can be associated with increased onset of a hernia and or the symptoms associated with it. I always want to ask you, we always hear of sports hernia. What's a sports hernia? Yeah, another great question, Does that Steve. that mean you have so, to be an athlete to have a no, sports hernia? No, but, you know, we see it in hockey players. I've seen it in a few NBA players and football players. Uh, it's a little different than the standard hernia where the bowel sort of can push through uh, the, uh, a rent or a defect in the abdominal wall. Yeah. It has to do with the insertion of the rectus muscle, which is right where your pelvis is in front, where if you were to just sit up and activate that rectus muscle, and it has to do with the adductor muscles, which are in the groin. It's a different kind of hernia that results in just ongoing pain in the lower abdominal region and sometimes radiating to the groin. And it can be picked up by MRI. It's by physical exam. It's what we call a diagnosis of exclusion. It means that we can't figure out any other possible cause for these ongoing abdominal or groin pain, and it ends up being a sports hernia. Not dangerous. We do try to rehab it, keep them out of the operating room, but general surgeons, non-orthopedic surgeons, are the ones who fix these. And, you know, I, we've had a couple of players...
yet we don't see it as commonly in the NBA as I see in hockey and other sports. But as I say, it's one of those diagnoses where you, you rule everything else out and they have chronic longstanding abdominal pain, hurts when they do a sit-up, hurts when they sort of bend over. And uh, the good news is within six to eight weeks that they have the surgery by general surgeon, they get better. So abdominal hernias are, are different than our what we're talking about, Steve, what you asked are sports hernias. Okay, Next, cut it. Get Allison from Chicago on the line. Okay, okay. great. Um, what uh, we don't do just Chicago. Okay. Neighborhood. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, she lives near East Bank. So what's uh, what's Is that, that a Mitch rule? What? It'd be like River East. Yeah, say that from River East. Is that a Mitch rule? Yeah, just just say uh, uh, near near North Side. Got it. Allison from the near North Side. We have. Why do they do that? Because it's a giant city, and we try to relate as much as possible. Also, we like to expose callers who say they're from Chicago, but they're really from fucking Skokie. (laughs) 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 Allison, this is Shane with Sports Medicine Weekly. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm going to put you through with Cash and Dr. Cole right now. Thank you. Who's Cash? Allison? Hello? Hi, Allison. Hi. How are okay. you? Okay, see if you can stump the doctor. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know about stump, but more like intrigue and get, get some okay. information. Okay. Stay ready? Yeah, you tell me when? Cool. Okay. And Dr. Cole, we've got a caller on the line. This is Allison from the near north side with a question in our Ask the Doctor segment. Hi, Allison. Hi there. Hi, Dr. Cole. How are you? Good morning. What can what what question do you have? Well, I have an interesting question. Um, I'm wondering what role does um, psychology play in the way in which you treat patients? Uh, great question. We've actually covered that before in uh, when it relates mostly to like a, an injury that keeps these guys out or, or women out for six, eight, ten months. So it's a huge factor in our everyday lives. A lot of it is fear of injury. Much of it is just fear that they're, uh, there's no solution for their problem. And one of the things I've learned is that power, uh, education is is knowledge. Educa- or excuse me, education is power. So if we can. What I try to do is basically figure out where their knowledge gaps are and say, look, you know, what do you know about the problem? They often know very little or what they've learned, say, is coming from the Internet and it's not very deep. It's a mile wide, if you will. And we just try to educate them as much as I can to sort of give them a sense of control. They understand it. They know what the natural history of it, the problem is. They know what the treatment is and they know what to expect if they're treated that typically it's not activity ending or occur ending and Armed with that knowledge, that's probably the best, uh, my best ability to sort of um, diffuse the anxiety, the 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 uncertainty that people come with after having an injury. So that's just one aspect of the psychology, you know. And some of it really depends with how long uh, an individual has been uh, dealing with their problem. But I'd say you know most of the things we de- we deal with are hey a sudden onset of a problem that they don't know what the future holds. So we educate them as much as possible so that they can get some sense of control. Over, over their future. Thanks, Allison, for your call. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Oh. Good. All right. Can scoliosis cause hip pain? I don't know about that one. Does using a 
Messenger bag, every day means shoulder problems down the line. Is my sport injury due to dehydration? Let me go back to our questions. How much tennis do I have to play before getting tennis elbow? <laughs> I have no fucking idea. <laughs> does, does that work? Okay. Is it warmer in the summer or in the country? <laughs> do you like that question? How much is a gray suit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, These are questions. <laughs> I'm just, those are my fun ones. Is my knee weak all of a sudden? Is, why is my knee weak all of a sudden? Do you know what time it is? Yes. <laughs> Should I well wear an ankle brace? What are shin splints? All right, I like the you shin splints. Shin splints? Yeah. All right, let's do shin splints. Make your Take it easy. Okay. Do they? I don't know. Don't know, actually. Bunion ache. I don't know. Bunion ache. What are shin splints? Dr. Cole, next question I've got. Can I go, Shane? Or are you looking up, Ryan? Please, go for it. You tell me when? You still, are you looking up? No, I'm good. Okay. Three, two, one. And Dr. Cole, I've got a next question here from uh, Zach uh, through our website on sportsmedicineweekly.com asking this, what are shin splints? That's a good question. So shin splints. Splints sort of fall into that category of uh, what we call tibial stress syndrome, and it's important to know that there's many there are many causes of shin pain, shin splints being one of them. So shin splints are sort of an overuse injury. It has to do with how the muscles and the tendons take origin from the tibia, from the front of the tibia, and the typical symptoms are sort of an aching or stabbing pain, and it gets worse with high impact activities. Um, the x-rays are typically negative. It hurts when you press on the area, um, but it has to be uh, sort of compared and contrasted to other conditions like a stress fracture. So that's a condition that is, gets progressively worse the more you do, and then if you lay back, it gets better, and it can be associated with little bony swelling, and that's one you kind of don't want to miss because if you run through a stress fracture, that can lead to something much more catastrophic. And then finally, there's a condition called exertional compartment syndrome. That's when the foot, the calf gets really, really tight with activities. It can be confused with shin splints. And it's associated with weakness and numbness over the top and the bottom of the foot. Again, a totally different condition. But most of it is shin splints that people experience with excessive running. It hurts to touch over the, the crest of the shin when you sort of press on that bony prominence. Uh, relative rest and ice and therapy or stretching uh, can actually help quite a bit. And um, sometimes even changing shoes. I see it sometimes when people are either they've outrun the duration or the life of their shoe or they get a new shoe that they're not uh, uh, used to using uh, can lead to the onset or progression of that. I've got another one here, Dr. Cole. Uh, this is from uh, Johnny out in uh, Geneva asking you this question. Is there anything a doctor can do for a broken rib? That's a really good question because I've had that myself. Yeah, I've had one. Probably that's that was one of the most painful injuries I've ever had, and that was I did it while water skiing, which is why I'll never water ski again because it's just too fast. Did you, you know? know immediately you had a broken uh, rib, like yeah. diagnosed yourself? Yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can barely breathe, and it's the it's just a sharp, acute pain uh, right over the bone. And yeah, I knew right away. I could barely get out of the water into the was boat. Was it bruised? Uh, did not bruise, okay. but really, really painful. Because when you think about everything you do, just your breath, your sleep, you roll over your left, your right, you go to the bathroom. Everything involves pressure around your chest wall. So, and God forbid if you sneeze or cough with a broken oh. rib. Yeah. So you had one too. I, yeah, but I, I I accidentally fell on the stairs. I tripped on a shoe mm-hmm. a number of years ago, and uh, never never went to a doctor to. But I thought I had something like that because it was 
I lost my breath, and then it was so painful right at the rib cage. Yeah, how long did it last? Do you remember? Oh, it felt like three months. Yeah, it can be pretty painful. So here's what's fascinating. So I'm working on uh, designing. I do a lot of design of instruments and so forth for surgery and implants and working uh, with a company. Now, I did not design this, but I found I just found this out. They actually have a plate that you can put on a rib. It's just tiny little plate, almost like what you use for orbital fractures, you know, for around the eye that they can put on a rib to plate it because usually it's just non-surgical treatment. You tell people to, it's almost always actually, they they wear a binder and like an ace wrap to put compression across it, and it's a miserable thing. So you I never just ice it, learning. obviously, right? No, you no, don't... you can ice a yeah, can fracture. You? Sure, it'll numb it up. Okay. Uh, but this is an interesting uh, treatment, which I'm just learning about, where the use of plates uh, across the rib, like we flick, fix lots of fractures with plates, why we never or rarely do or rib fractures is unbeknownst to me. So I think that's something we might see more of because there's so much disability associated with a rib fracture. If you have an athlete who has a rib fracture, we've had a couple along the way, um, it's brutal to get back because of the collision sport, you know, it takes at least six, eight weeks sometimes to get to the point where it's healed enough that they can actually tolerate collision. All righty, interesting stuff. Uh, I've got another one here from uh, a football player, and he's asking this question. I jammed my finger yesterday, and I have a big football game today. How do I heal it quickly? So really, yeah. he's looking to get it treated, taped. I mean, you know, you, you may not be able to get it healed, but that's one of those where reassurance goes a long way. And um, the first thing is just to make sure it's not dislocated, and you just don't want to return to activities with, with, with a dislocated finger. And how would you know? It would be really deformed. You know, not it would it would be deformed from the very beginning of the injury, not over time, because that's usually the swelling. So ice, uh, slight compression wrap uh, around it, like a what we call a coband or something that's uh, like an elastic wrap that doesn't cut the circulation off. Buddy taping it icing it and you know frankly if you you have a low suspicion for a break or a fracture we let people return back to sport immediately but if you dislocated it was a high energy injury and it was immediately back in black and blue and swollen i would say that's one you got to get a doctor's attention because you could have a fracture or a break in the bone that you know not only can be made worse by playing with it um, you know it can really prolong the length of time you have the issue and create an irreparable problem so have a low index of suspicion if you think there's a break then the pain is very very significant immediate swelling and bruising that's one you want to get checked out by a doctor but if it's just a jam finger not a ton of swelling no bruising many times that's something that just a sprain that you can get back right away you're listening to Dr. Brian Cohen. I'm Steve Cashel. We're doing our Ask the Doctor segment here on 670 The Score. Our show is Sports Medicine Weekly. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and our homepage on the right side underneath our picture, you see our Ask the Doctor link where you could write in to Dr. Cole, and uh, we'll do our best to uh, take some of the best questions. I've got one for you, uh, and you're a knee guy, so you might uh, enjoy this one, but I've never seen this question before. This is Jeffrey from Naperville asking you this Dr. Cole, why do my knees turn purple every night after work? Have you uh, come under something like that before with your patients? Seen it? You no, know, yeah, I haven't. Um, <clears throat> just the knee. Wow. Um, so I would say this. One thing I do hear people say they get spontaneous bruising and things that around their leg. Yeah. But that doesn't sound like what this is. Um, uh, yeah. So if there's a bruise and it's a, it's, it, it happens frequently, that could be just fragile blood vessels. But why do the knees get purple? So uh, let's see. Let's say someone comes into your office with that, mm-hmm. and they say, "Doctor Cole, after work, and I, we have to obviously find out your question. You know, you're you're the detective, right? You got to ask, what do you do for work, right? That's how he wrote into us. Was after work, my knees turn purple when I probably come home and sit on the couch. 
Uh, how would you diagnose that? What questions would you ask, and how do you think you would treat it? What goes into that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that when there's a color change, especially when it's temporary, that the most likely it's going to be something related to the blood vessel system. So if it's t- if it's bruising, those are small vessels that can break. If it's purple, I would say that could be, you know, venous, uh, you know, insufficiency. When someone's standing all day, the veins are not doing a good job returning it back to the heart. So it's worse at the end of the day because the valves of the veins are not, are what we call insufficient. So I would say if it's temporary and it's after a long day of standing, uh, uh, then that is more likely related to the, the, the venous or part of the blood system where, which returns uh, blood back to the heart. That's my best guess. Uh, so I ask lots of questions. What makes it worse? What makes it better? Uh, where is it localized? Um, you know, is it symmetrical, meaning both sides versus one side? Things like that then can give you clues to figure out why these things happen and then just kind of know what would turn the leg purple or a different color. And then I, you know, that would lead me more towards the blood vessel system than anything else. All right, let's go down to Champaign, Illinois. I got one from Jake here, and this is a shoulder uh, that you should be interested in, Dr. Cole. I know you're going to know the answer to this. Good question. Now, will my shoulder ever go back to normal after it has been dislocated? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it can go back to normal even without surgery. The biggest risk of a dislocation in the shoulder is another one. So it sets the stage for future dislocations, but it often is associated with no symptoms unless the arm is put in a provocative position, say up overhead with the arm rotated externally, uh, sort of in a throwing position. That's the most common cause. Uh, so yeah, it can get better without any treatment. Uh, sometimes, however, it's associated with pain. Uh, the most common problem with a shoulder dislocation is that it happens again. If it's a young person between the age of 20 to 25, there may be up to a 90% incidence of a re-dislocating if they go back to the collision sport that they dislocated the first time. Uh, but so I have lots of patients that we treat conservatively, uh, meaning non-surgically with just a little bit of rest and return to sport, and they may never hear from it again. So it really depends upon how and where it happens. If it's a random event, you know, fall down the stairs, um, where it's just a cartilage tear and, the, and, and it gets dislocates and gets put back into position, the likelihood of it happening again is very low. But if you're a, uh, a collision athlete, a football player, or, you know, a lineman, someone who works with their arms up at shoulder level or above, the recurrence rates are above 90% in that population if you're less than 25. All right. From Julie out in Winnetka asking this, uh, pull or a tear? Did I pull or tear a leg muscle? So what's the difference between a pulled Muscle and a torn muscle. That's a good question. Always uh, that's to like know. saying if I have a break or a fracture, which one's worse? Uh, if I broke my bone or I fractured it, it's like, oh, my gosh, doctor, I can't believe I fractured my bone. But no, we always feel like we it. pull the muscle. Yeah. Uh, what does the it same, mean to pull a muscle? Yeah, same category. You know, believe it or not, an ankle sprain is a torn ligament. Okay. So a pull and a, what did you call it, a pull and a tear? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty much the same thing, but that doesn't, you know, the problem is tear in someone's mind connotes something really, really bad, and that's not necessarily the case. So a pulled muscle is often a strain in the muscle tissue or a tear. Uh, They're usually microscopic. If you were to look at it, it would look normal. But if you looked at it under a microscope or even an MRI, you would see with very high resolution uh, that there may be some structural damage. But generally speaking, they heal with a little bit of rest, stretching, time, and compression, and elevation, and so forth. That, That usually resolves it. So they're in the same category, and they're all a matter of degree. Our Ask the Doctor segment continuing. I've got one from Jimmy in Peoria here. You'll know this one. Uh, do I have jumper's knee? What is jumper's knee? Jumper's knee is I'm always a, thinking basketball. Yeah, yeah it, it's a common thing for basketball. It's a lot like sort of the, uh, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry. No, keep going. I oh. want to find out time. How much? I'm just rolling here. What? Uh, 
We still need about two or three more minutes. Okay, okay. We'll we're almost up. done. It's almost really done. Okay. Should I do that again? Sorry, to, sorry. I, I just yeah, want. I have no okay. idea where Let's we were. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Doctor Cole, this one's from. Uh, who did I say? Oh, uh, Jimmy in Peoria. Three, two, one. Dr. Cole, I got another one here on our website. Someone uh, asking, this is Jimmy from Peoria. What is jumper's knee? How do I know if I have jumper's knee? I'm thinking basketball. Yeah, that's a, a very common sport to get jumper's knee. It's a little like this concept of little little leaguer's elbow, you know? Yep. Jumper's knee is when it's often associated with um, a loss of flexibility, repetitive activities. can be associated with what we call patella tendonitis, where the patella tendon uh, takes origin off the bottom of the kneecap and gets very, very inflamed. It could be along the insertion of the patella tendon into the shin bone. Um, it's sort of this big category of pain in the front of the knee that's often associated with inflammation or maybe what we call tendonitis. Um, very treatable without surgery. It gets better with uh, uh, flexibility uh, uh, strengthening and anti-inflammatories, stretching and so forth. And it's rarely permanent, but it can be, you know, it can be pretty disabling and pretty common. But it's sort of a big wastebasket category of pain in the front of the knee, often associated with tendonitis, typically the patella tendon. Very treatable. Shane, I got one more, or? If you could do one more, that would be good. Okay. I can talk half speed. That I will help. I fell on my kneecap. What kind of doctor should I see? Do you want that one? Or is it reasonable to consider trigger point therapy to keep my feet in good shape? What are the potential advantages and side effects of running barefoot? Want to do that? It's too complicated. Okay. Yeah. As a runner, what steps should I be taking to ensure the health of my feet and ankles before a big run? I don't have any good answers. All right, let's see what's between a physical therapist and a chiropractor. Uh, next question. Should I use creatine? Next question. Is there a relationship between jaw, plane, jaw pain and shoulder upper back pain? Probably, but <laughs> let's look at that. Why do I have a sharp pain in my wrist? Don't worry about it. Wrap the show. Let's go. Make let's, let's make it happen. Don't, don't, don't do another question. Wrap the Thank show. You. I'll make it work. Thank you. Good job, though, Brian. That was quick fire. I like it. Can I? Can I? Can I? Uh, these, these are the middle. So I, I'm yeah, gonna. So I'm gonna say up next. Uh, why? Why? Okay. Let me. So let me tease it. Yes. Ready? Three, two, one. That's quick fire. Ask the doctor, Doctor Branco. Good job. I mean, you're just. I'm rifling these off, and you're just uh, nailing them down. I like it's, it. It's like another patient day. You know. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Virtual. Right. Virtual patients. Yes. Again, folks, if you want to be included in our Ask the Doctor segment, go to our website, SportsMedicineWeekly.com. On our homepage on the right side, underneath our picture, you can click on the Ask the Doctor and submit your question. Up next, why aquatic therapy is a great choice for treating injuries. We'll visit with someone from ATI. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score.